this is Sober Company. My name is Lacey. My name's Nick. And today we're going to talk about labels, some of the labels that are used when referring to addicts, like alcoholic, drunk, addicts. What are some is other? Is there a label that you go by? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I identify with the label addict. Addict? Yeah. It's, um, it's something I've come to more recently, I guess, in the last couple of years. Yeah, because traditionally addict doesn't mean alcohol. It's like drugs yeah. other than alcohol, right? Right, it means I've been drugs. In, yeah, it means drugs. Because I've been to meetings before where, particularly like AA meetings, where people identify as an alcoholic and an addict. Hmm. They're like separate, they separate them. They separate them out. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and I and sometimes when I'm speaking to somebody, I have to, I mean, somebody where it matter, I guess it matters, like a fellow addict, where I'm like, oh, but alcohol is my primary. I just use. Ah, see, and so you do have to specify that with certain people when I think it's important, you know. And I think the reason I choose addict is because I grew up with the knowledge of twelve step, and my name is so and so, and I'm an alcoholic. And I just, it feels stodgy to me, you know, What the term alcoholic, <laughs> it just feels so like, wah, wah, like, but addict is cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Addicts feels, I just even think the sound of the word is cooler. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, I think addict or addiction goes for anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have to be drugs alcohol it's kind of right interesting that they've just separated alcoholism as it's like separate special thing. special thing and then everything else is just being an addict right because like coke or yeah. heroin or even you know I, everything yeah. else is like within the addict realm chocolate but, well yeah shopping sure i yeah. mean shopping is an addiction I should, yeah or but, work yeah. works an addiction yeah. like all those things so everything is in there except for the special alcohol thing has its own yeah, um, yeah, and uh, we both know that it is not special, <laughs> right? I mean, it's the most easily available. Yeah, like, alcohol has been normalized in our society, right? As like a normal thing that people do. So when you don't do a normal thing, then that becomes the weird thing, right? right? But like right. with like coke and heroin, we've we've already that's not normalized activity. Mm-hmm. We've put that in a different category. Mm-hmm. So I think that's in my mind, the differences between them. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. I, uh, and I just, I, I come from this place of, you know, I want to not separate myself from other people who are suffering from addiction because I think alcoholism is normalized. It's considered a little bit easier to tolerate than other primary addictions. So, I don't want to separate myself from the other people saying like, I'm this, not that, you know, God forbid. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And I also, I also believe in this whole, this whole concept of taking back a word that is used against you or used against a community. And if you take it back and you say it with pride, it becomes your word and it loses the power, that negative power, that uh, mm. when it's in other people's mouths. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Well, I can tell you've given this subject a lot of thought. 
<laughs> I have, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, Nick, tell me, um, what is your kind of like personal journey with been with these uh, these words? With labels? Yeah. I mean, is it beyond just like drugs and alcohol? Just like I just no 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 like in this there's labels for everything top, right like a label yeah. like my gender or my race and right. all this stuff but right. yeah particularly I suppose when you're talking about substances mm-hmm. I mean I was like yeah I think the term I probably had at the beginning was pothead okay just like as like a cool thing and like you called would, yourself that I, mean, I don't know if I did but I would. Yeah, I would consider myself a pothead. I thought okay. it was like a cool thing to be like a pothead. Oh, totally. Pothead guys were so cute in high school. Were they? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess there are different levels. I like them though. Yeah. Of course I did. I just liked that whole kind of scene. Mm-hmm. And just like I was enamored by the 60s and like psychedelics yeah. and like weed kind of just seemed like you're very like open-minded and you're not part of the status quo. And this is like a counterculture thing that you can do. So uh-huh. I think like in terms of like identity, I probably associated with that. Yeah. At, in terms of these kind of labels, mm-hmm. but you know, I don't think I, there's definitely people who have uh, issues with pot. Like there's of course, anonymous of course. and I know people who have a really hard time getting off a of pot. I, from, no, I've I've seen it firsthand and it's 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 terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I was probably like that. I don't think I was conscious of my addiction to it, but mm-hmm. I was high all the time. It was not like uh, being sober is weird. Yeah. It was hard. like that much. Yeah. You know, smoke weed every in day. high school? Uh in high school a little bit towards like the end of high school and college okay. like yeah, full blown. Okay. And then when did, so you, I know you started going to AA when you were home and then, right? You talked about wow. this, you talked about in this first did I? episode, so I haven't studied My history My very well. first encounter with AA was in South Carolina. It yeah. was in college. Yeah. And um, yeah, I went to AA and it was just not for me. I mean, everyone was super nice there when you. anytime you go into an AA meeting they're really nice to to see another a newcomer uh, newcomer they're very open and welcoming but at least the flavor of AA in South Carolina is very Jesus-y right which I didn't vibe with right and so I just never went back after that and then you went to San Francisco and but like in terms of labels and calling yourself an alcoholic at meetings yeah I think you know I guess then my drinking kind of progressed to a point where it did it was a problem in my life. I was causing a lot of suffering for myself and other people with that. Mm-hmm. And I recognized that I needed a stop at that point yeah. when it was, you know, a thing I couldn't control anymore. And I think that's probably the point that I started going to AA meetings and saying I was an alcoholic. Yeah. Cause that's just what you do. And yeah. it, for me, it was helpful at that time to do that. Cause it was actually like putting a name to this thing that I didn't think was a problem that became a problem and just being able to like, see it and label it and work with it. It's like a diagnosis. Really helpful. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I think I, I went to meetings and I had no problem with it, but I think that's cause I was kind of given a heads up. That was probably going to be who I was my whole life. So yeah. I, it came very naturally to call myself an alcoholic, but I only do that in the space of an, an, 
an AA meeting. Yeah. I don't really use that anywhere else. Oh, no, no, no. I would never tell anybody else just besides like so in weird. those rooms where you're doing it. Yeah. And then you go outside and it's like you make up all sorts of excuses when people ask like, oh, why don't you drink? drink don't drink, you know? Honestly, how fun would it be to be like, oh, why don't you drink? Because I'm an alcoholic. It would be super weird. It makes people it, And then you just go like like shrug and put your hands up yeah well even nowadays i actually do that to people and yeah it's uncomfortable it's not it you can feel like the vibe and the tone of the conversation switch so yeah. it's just not a thing that people want to talk about no it makes I people think... uncomfortable so i don't really um subscribe to that it's calling yourself an alcoholic or what well nowadays i don't yeah it, um but it was useful at that time. Like, mm -hmm. I think any sort of thing, like when you're dealing with something that's kind of this nebulous thing and just putting a name to it. Right. So you can see it as like an object. Right. Like that's always really helpful. And then once I've kind of, not that I'm, I don't, I don't view it as like a disease. I don't view it as like being cured. Yeah. I just view it as like, that's how I dealt with like the uncomfortableness of my life at that time uh -huh. was through those things. And I just, couldn't drink without blacking out right like that was my main issue right um when i would drink i would drink to the limit yeah you know yeah so even that doesn't jive with the classical like quote unquote what people call an alcoholic so right i don't know this word has so much you didn't drink every day maybe yeah but still like you know that word has so much like baggage mm -hmm. on it you know and i think that's also why this happens generationally with words that hold a lot of emotional meaning for people right is that we need to change them yeah you know a new generation and honestly alcoholic has been used for a very long time yeah so it makes sense that people are coming out of that i think what alcohol use disorder is yeah, kind of in vogue say, right yeah. now yeah i actually like that better mm -hmm. i think it describes the <laughs> But like, it is literally. Like I have a disorder using alcohol. Yeah. Like I can't use it in its intended purpose, which is like responsible drinking with like one or two drinks. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I wouldn't use that word personally or that term because I'm pretty self-righteous about my experience. Yeah. And I'm coming at it from a different perspective of, um, again, like reclaiming the identity of somebody who suffers from addiction as not something to be whispered about. Like right. it's a secret and yeah. more something to announce proudly. Yeah. So I think just that term alcohol use disorder seems apologetic in a way, but that is obviously my own personal reaction to it. And I, you know, embrace it for other people. Sure. You know, I, I, I would use it maybe for other people, but not for myself. So, yeah, one of the people that I follow a lot and really admire is this woman named Holly Whittaker. She had a podcast called um, Home a couple of years ago, and uh, she has a sobriety school now called, I think it's The Tempest. And she has a quote, uh, or basically a, a belief that addiction is an experience and not an identity, which I think is some of what we're talking about. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think addiction is the cause of, from several things, you know, it used to th be thought to, you know, it's just a disease and it's just something maybe you're born with or it's a genetic thing. Uh, 12 step calls it a, an allergy to alcohol. But I think, you know, 
obviously there's a lot of people come to addiction from different places. I definitely believe that I have a genetic component to my experience. And then some things in my life set off that genetic component. There's an official term for that that I don't know, but you know, like you have, you have it in you and then something happens in your life that like sparks that thing in you to be created. For instance, like, so it's trauma, you know, if, if you, or ex- if you experience trauma, you know, you, you look for different ways to maybe self-medicate, et cetera. And that's another way a lot of people come to addiction. So I see that as addiction is this experience, a continued experience maybe from trauma or yeah. whatever, as opposed to this identity, you're something you're born with and carry with you. And I think because it was given to me as an identity, I've always just like, I think it's gone from me rejecting it and being resentful of it and wanting the ability to drink normally. And now I embrace it and love myself and my addicted self. And well, that's you an know. interesting take on it. Yeah. So Nick, I know you have kind of a different view from me, which makes these conversations interesting for us. It's not just like us saying the same things back and forth to each other. So what is your experience with the identity of being an addict? Well, you're like embracing your identity. Yeah. I think I'm trying to rebel against any sort of identity at all because like identity is actually, to your point, when you get labeled as something, it really messes you up Mm -hmm. for the rest of your life. You like hold on to that identity. I think like there's looking back on it, if I had to like analyze myself, yeah, there was probably some like self-medication going on because I've been diagnosed with like depression, like bipolar. Mm -hmm. I don't actually think that I have that, but that's like something that was like diagnosed to me when I was like a teenager. Uh And so that identity has like carried on for my entire life. And I don't even know if it's true or not mm. true just because somebody told me that. Yeah. And, you know, that feeds into like, oh, that makes sense. That's why I use substances in that way. It's because I had this, but maybe I didn't even have this. And that's yeah. what's the reason that I was even doing that, you know? So I think with anything in life, you try and like analyze like what you did and put it into compartments and understand mm-hmm. what's going on. And some things you just don't can't understand. Some things just happen because... They just happen, you know? So I don't know. Like, I'm no expert in any of this stuff. So. Yes. Neither of us are experts. I know. But like, yeah, but to a point, like doctors say, like, yes, there's a genetic component to it. Mm -hmm. There's a genetic component to all this stuff. Yeah. And there's probably some weirdos in my family that, you know, they grew up in India. So nobody like diagnosed anybody. They were just like, that guy's a weirdo, you know? So maybe if you looked at it. That guy has problems. The pathology of it. When I went to outpatient, you kind of look at the pathology of your family and think of all these things that get passed on from generation to generation, you know? So I, and I don't know what those things are, but having that sense of identity colors everything. It colors like the way that you see the world and the way that you interpret things. So that's why I'm not sure about any of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of your experience in... Well, it's part of my ego. It's part of, like, whoever, like, my identity that I show up in the world as, like, Nick, you know? Right. Nick is this, Nick is that, you know? So, yeah, I think, like, going back to the labels, 
if I identify as something like, say, alcoholic, addict, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that's a label that I'm going to start carrying with me. And yeah. I don't want to feel like I'm not flexible. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm a changing person. I don't want to feel like trapped by a certain identity that's right. been ascribed to me. Right. Right. But it is useful. I never would have worked on any of these issues if I didn't put that identity on me. Right. You know what I mean? So, so I think it's like, like a coat you, you wear for a I while. think it's good. Like it's good to have identities because they, they're helpful to put names on things uh-huh. so you can understand them and work with them. Right. And then when they no longer serve you, I think it's okay to like discard those identities and move on to something else. Yeah. 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 And I think the term alcoholic and where 12 step comes in is that they believe that this is who you are. And like the reasons you do things all go back to the fact that you're an alcoholic. The reasons you, you know, anything in life where you fuck up is the reason is because you're an alcoholic and these are like the alcoholic tendencies and all of that. And I, I do find that that's very limiting. Yeah. And it it is, you know, it, it is inherently negative. You know, it's always like a negative thing. I think all the best things I've done in my life, not all of them, but a lot of them in the recent years since I've been sober are because I'm sober. Like, you know, like that has created so much good in my life and so much forward momentum and strength that yeah. I guess that's the other reason I'm, I'm, I embrace it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I actually think about that a lot because they call these programs recovery programs. And I'm always like, what are you recovering? And it's like, yeah. oh, you're recovering that like part of you, like when you were a kid and you yeah. didn't get fucked up and you didn't do anything. You had, you were a kid, you were just living, you know, Yeah. with the sense of like wonder and just looking at the world, like it was just an amazing thing, you know? So I think for me, like not having substances is getting rid of all that stuff so you can see things more clearly, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. But I think like all this stuff again is like informed by like the program that you're working mm-hmm. and the path you're following. And I yeah. I'm following the Buddhist path right now. Right. So I think that's why I'm maybe getting off on this. What is the self and all that? Right. Because like you're at the very... end of like the Buddhist thing, I mean, this is something I'm trying to grapple with myself. I don't even know if this is true or not, because it's not how I was raised. I was raised Hindu. Right. You have this concept of a soul and that soul is like whatever you have and has karma and it has debt and it piles up. And then bring that to your next life. The Buddhists have a concept more of like emptiness. Mm-hmm. So it's like you, there is nothing there yeah. and you're just ascribing things to it. You know what I mean? Right. You're putting identities on this empty thing. Yeah. yeah. But in reality, there's nothing there. Yeah. You know? So I think that's like why I'm like, if you asked me probably like a few years ago, I wouldn't have been talking like this about identities no. and labels, but I think it's because I've, been immersed in these kind of things that I'm changing my mind about what it is and who even knows, you know? Yeah. You just make things up. You listen to story. Somebody made up this story, you know? Yeah. About no having a soul having or no not self. having a soul. And then somebody's like, oh, that's a good story. I like that story. Are you like that story? You that, know? That's, that's helpful for me. So yeah. like the identity of being an addict is in self a story mm-hmm. because there's myths around like with what being an alcoholic, like you were saying, yeah. like it's a good thing. It's a bad thing. Like whatever it is, it's because people live and stories happen and people assign characteristics to this stuff you know yeah yeah that's next level i I is that next level completely (laughs) 
it's so much harder though it's much easier to just be like this is my label this is what i am you, you know and that's why you walk through the world it's very hard for me to walk through the world without having a sense of identity or knowing that whatever my identity is is some construct that's not even real well because when you don't have an identity then you're like well how would how do i respond to this situation or what is my yeah, what is my response to no, something? Yeah. And these are all very good, like practical questions about living in the world yeah. that you should probably not ask me about because I'm probably the worst person for like, somebody no, who wants to have a normal life and live in the world is not, I don't know, it's not the way I'm living my life right now. Right. You know? No, it's okay. And I know it's, it's, um, it makes for great conversation. It does it? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think, uh, yeah, and I think the two paths we're on I'm on this break down the doors, you know, try, I'm trying to help people who right. are yeah. You're trying suffering. To, yeah. You're trying to affect positive change in the world. Right. And I think that, you know, one of the first steps in that is embracing this experience of addiction, maybe not embracing it so that you keep doing it, just ridding this, getting rid of the stigma. That's just not helping anybody. Right. And I think, you know, the stigma is goes hand in hand with the secrecy that has been set up for addiction. And by proclaiming myself an addict and telling people maybe I'm, re I'm in recovery when they ask me why I'm not drinking, or if they say somebody else has a, a problem, I will say, well, I, I have the same problem. Right. You know, I cut that shit out right away. Yeah. And I think that that, to me, it's like, it's important for me to serve as a role model to a certain extent. You know, obviously I'm not perfect. I'm not trying to say that in any way I am. It's just more just that there's somebody there I've met, like for somebody else to have met somebody that's comfortable in it, I think is important. Yeah. These are all great things that would have made it easier for me to seek help yeah. in the beginning yeah. when I probably wasn't even acknowledging that I had a problem because right. I didn't want to acknowledge that I had a problem because it's a bad thing, right? It's a bad thing. And you also don't know what the rest of your life is going to look like. And if you see someone who identifies as recovering um, from addiction and they have a life and they're happy or happy-ish, you yeah. know, whatever then you're like, okay, I can make the next step because I can see potentially what it may look like. Yeah. When you're like, I don't know what the hell that's going to look like. Yeah, you know, you're and right. it's super scary. Yeah. When you've like created your life surrounding this thing that you're addicted to and then it's gone, you don't know what that's going to look like. So, yeah. and then all you see are these meetings. Not that, I mean, obviously 12 steps stays so many lives. I'm not knocking it, but like when you see it's a kind of a depressing environment sometimes yeah so it, it's not like the most like uplifting i want to be these people i want to live this life experience it can be for sure but you know there should be other options yeah like when i was trying to get sober and i go see therapists and be like hey i have an alcohol problem to be like hey go to aa right it's like is that it and they're like well there's smart recovery but i don't even know what that is somebody just like somebody gave me this pamphlet like, yeah <laughs> so they just be like hey aa and just get out of my office, you know? And yeah. so I think that's, like, the thing because, like, they obviously work for the people who work the program and actually do it. Like, it works great for them. There's a, a large portion of people, like... Us. Me, yeah. We 
it wasn't us. Like that didn't fit with what we wanted to do. And I really tried. Mm. Like I really, really tried hard to be a part of that community. And I just felt not a part of it yeah. for some reason. Yeah, like I just okay. felt like I yeah. was doing something wrong. But maybe I wasn't doing anything wrong. It's just that wasn't a good fit for me. You know? Yeah. And I think I think for me, I was told by my therapist like immediately that it was totally okay that AA wasn't comfortable for me. And that saved me a lot of anguish. Yeah. Because, yeah, I wish that too because there was a lot of relapse in my story. And it's hard when there's like the guilt of yeah. relapsing and just feeling like something's wrong with you and you're not doing it right. And right. like all these things that I just when it clicked for me and I was like, oh, this is what it is. It made it so much easier to see what the alcoholism, you know, that addiction was what it truly was for me yeah. in a way that I understood it. You know, yeah. it's just that that framework doesn't work for everyone. It works for some people. It, and I tried to force it and it didn't work for me. And then when I found a framework that did work for me, I can view it in the way that I view it, you know? Yeah. And that makes sense to me. Like the way I view alcohol or any addiction, like, you know, when I stop drinking, it's like start eating stuff or start gambling. Right. And all these you stuff know something's have, happening. have this root in it with the Buddhist philosophy. It's kind of, these things are hindrances. <laughs> Hi, Junebug. These things are just hindrances on the path of awakening, you know? Yeah. So even when you do it, you're just like, this holds nothing for me anymore because it's not something. It's all based in the body. You get that adrenaline rush. You get the, you know, all these things that um, you get from an addictive behavior for me, online shopping. Yeah, but it's just a distraction. Yeah. It's just like a little blip, a dopamine it's, it's a distraction yeah. and then you're when that ends you're back to just who you were again you yeah know? yeah sitting by yourself on your couch <laughs> i think we've come to this conclusion before when we've had yeah. these conversations and i'm going to remind you of the conclusion what is that having labels right now in society helps other people has the potential not all labels of course yeah not all labels but in this instance, embracing a label like addict or alcoholic or whatever you choose has potential to help other people because they see that you're living a life that they would potentially want to live. Yeah. And I think the larger idea that would, you know, be great for all of society to, to get to is that we don't have to use labels anymore, that we can live as ourselves and yeah but that's not gonna happen i mean yeah that's <laughs> yeah like i think we're too that's like yeah. but okay so i am appreciative of this conversation because i understand your viewpoint now and doing something in the world that we're working in yeah that's like a practical thing to just say like hey i identify as an addict and i'm okay right right so yeah. i could get behind that all right cool i'm anti-label but i could i could be with I could get behind that. I think I think it's just yeah, I think it's it's a small step that makes ripples, you know, and helps other people. Sure. And I think we know what it's like to be suffering in an active addiction and we wouldn't wish that on anybody. So to get anybody out of it sooner through just serving as the word role what's a better word than role model, but role model I guess, then um then I think 
I'm willing to do that. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure, though, to be a, a role model. <laughs> like, what if you fuck up? I know, and that's the question. That's the thing with AA that's always brought up is that, like, is why people, for part of the anonymity and, and, and the reason against having pride is that, well, what if, what if, you know, you have all this pride and all this and then you tell everybody and then you fuck up? And I think that's part of the problem of recovery in that relapse is considered so fucking terrible. Yeah. And relapse is terrible. The reason people can't get out of relapses sometimes is because they have so much shame from quote unquote relapsing. Yeah. And if you just see it as part of your journey, something you needed to do to learn how to get to the next, the next oh, step yeah, of sure. your journey, then that's what you see it as. And you, there's so much less judgment, you know, yeah. it's like, okay, well I needed to experience this so that I could continue on and, and live the next healthy part of my life. You know? Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with that. I mean, anytime that I've gone through a relapse is, taught me something yeah yeah but going back to your thing about being proud to be an addict is that what you're actually proud of or are you proud that you did something about your addiction i'm proud of the journey i've been on i'm proud of the discomfort i've been through the struggle i've been through and gotten to the other side of yeah i'm proud of the conversations i have all the time with people yeah like you yeah i'm proud to be like a member of this community yeah yeah. I'm super proud to be a member of this community. Yeah. And by community, we mean people in recovery. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like you, like helping people with this has been one of the best things for my recovery. In that way, like I am proud of the same things that you are. I'm proud yeah. of like the journey that I've been on. So I think like maybe that's why when you're saying like you're proud to be an addict, I don't know if I'm necessarily proud of that, but I'm proud of like the work that I've done on it. Right. And maybe within inherent in that is just being proud of having that label. Yeah. And I think it's, again, it's the kind of thing where you take a word back. It's the kind of, it's like, I'm proud of being an addict because there's so much shame and stigma yeah. attached to it. Okay. That I'm like cool. taking it to All the right. opposite, you know? Yeah. You're good. You've convinced me. <laughs> that I is always like my label. goal with you. Is it? <laughs> No, it isn't, but I do really like what you say. You're right, Lacey. Yeah. <laughs> I am very impressionable. So, like, if somebody makes a good argument, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. That's what I'm going to do now. <laughs> like, we just had, like, we we had a Zen monk, like, speak, and then the next day I was like, I'm going to become a Zen, Zen monk. monk. And I started, like, looking up monasteries, and I'm like, okay, what, do I, what are the practicalities of doing this? So. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know. This is just because I talked with a Zen guy, and Zen people are just like, there's no point to any of this. Zen is very you know? intense. Yeah, it's awesome. But the little that I gained from that conversation was just, it, it blew my mind because, like, even for me, like, going on this path, it's kind of like, oh, I'm working on meditation because it helps me with my addiction, so it makes me not want to drink, and it reduces, like, the craving. Yeah. So even that's for like a purpose. And then even the larger purpose is like, oh, I want to attain awakening or enlightenment. Mm -hmm. But even that's desire, you know? Right. So you're not even getting rid of a desire. You're just supplanting one desire for another yeah. desire. So Zen is just like, there is no point. Like you just sit because you're sitting. 
That's hard for me. And I was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're blowing my mind right now. <laughs> Zen is like the ultimate, like, lot, like there is, you don't know anything. Like, you don't even shit. know what's going to happen when you die. This could be it. This is your one shot. You're you like, know? Yeah, I know all that. Yeah. Huh. And so then it's kind of like, well, okay, if this is it, is this really how you want to be spending your life? Yeah. And then it's kind of like, well, I don't even know. It's hard to think that way because then it's like, why would you even choose to not do this? Because I don't think like this now, but maybe a few years ago, I'd be like, well, if this is the one shot, I'm going to fucking party oh. and just have a good time and just leave like hedonistic lifestyle until I die, you know? Yeah. I mean, I never found it. I mean, it was fun for like five minutes. Seriously? No. That's like how my dream was to be like Kurt Cobain or something. Like die at like 27. Oh what? <laughs> like just burn out super, super fast, you know, and have like an awesome time. I don't think Not he that had he, an he awesome time. He didn't have an awesome time, but like. I just didn't like, I think the fun that I had, I don't, was I really having fun? I don't know. Well, that's what I thought. Like, I thought it was fun, and now it's like, if I had the chance and, like, say that this is, like, the one life, yeah. like, I would not choose to live my life like that. No, no. Because that doesn't seem fun. I think it's, like, people and nature are the things that, like, give me contentment. Yeah. The word happiness is a bit loaded. Yeah. Well, any word is... Loaded. A wor right? A word... Yeah, what is happiness? What is a feeling even when you're happy? That's like a feeling. And then you're like, I have to put a word to this feeling. That's like an indescribable feeling. Yeah. Like happiness is like energy. Like I feel like, an, and it's so fleeting. It's like a second. Yeah. But you're like, oh, this is what happy is. Or this is what sad. Also is. when, like, when I feel happy, I don't trust it at all. I'm like, uh Something's going, I'm not going to trust this because I can't depend on it to stay. So I feel I'm like that gonna. too. Yeah. I felt like that about my sobriety for a long time. No. Like yeah. when things are going good, I'm like, okay, like I'm going to fuck this up somehow, well, you know? And yeah. then it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, when you think like that. That's true. Yeah. I, th I think once I did this whole embracing of my identity, that just... Open the door and now I'm fucking stubborn about it. So when my stubborn kick is turned on, when that flip is, that switch is flipped, it, uh, it can be helpful. Yeah. So in this case it is. I think the, yeah, the people who are the best, at, if you could be the best at recovery, <laughs> the people who are so hardcore about it, you know, at least all the people that I know in our community who are like gung ho about being sober and being an addict. Yeah. They've managed to maintain their sobriety in a way that I haven't because yeah. I think I'm more like loosey goosey about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So you make some good points. Thanks, Nick. Well, I think obviously people can use whatever terms they want for themselves, whatever is helpful in their experience, in their journey. And it's all changing all the time. But I do like what you had to say about being proud of this. Yeah. And being a person who's been on this journey for a while, I don't think it makes sense to just blanket be like, I'm done with this. I don't want this anymore. Identity. Because like, I'm done with this. You know, I think there is merit and there's value. 
in having this be a part of your identity so that you could be in the community and yeah. show other people in the community that recovery is possible. Right. So. Yeah. And that'll be okay. Yeah. So I think it was a great conversation. I think I learned a lot from you from just listening to, cause I'm very, you know, you come in with your beliefs and you're like, this is the belief, like fuck labels. Like I don't want this, you know? And then you're like, well, you know, there's some merit to having some labels because it's not all about me. Like you gotta help other people, help other people too. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then we can both all be without labels. Right. So even if it's not for me, it's for somebody else. And if it's for someone else, it actually is for me. Cause that's, that's right. That reflects back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, thank you for having that conversation with me. So that's the end of our episode. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you could subscribe to us. If you could give us a rating, give us a comment. We would love to hear from you. And we'll leave you now with our theme music from John Tessier, courtesy of Said So Sound. We'll see you next week. I don't know how much of this episode you can salvage. I'm I don't even know what we're talking. <laughs>